tell you, I've just been introduced to the ministry of Dr. Wendell Babcock, who is in himself an institution. I have no desire to be in an institution, but I sure do enjoy knowing one. And he is quite a, quite a character, a legend in his own mind. I mean, a legend in his own time. Uh, so I'm delighted to be with him. I don't want him to go far, so Dr. Babcock, I need you to come back up here. I overheard someone say on the walkway this morning, uh, someone asked her what was going on. She said, oh, uh, Wendell Babcock and Dr. Farmer are going to do their war or something. Uh, well, it's, it's not a battle. She said they're going to do their battle. Well, we are going to play together. And so I'm going to ask Dr. Babcock, please come back up. Please come back up. Uh, we have done this. I don't get to do this very often, but when I'm with a musician who can improvise, we're going to improvise a hymn uh, for four hands. And what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to ask one of you to call out a favorite hymn. Raise your hand, please. And then Dr. Babcock, all right, you'll get to do it. Uh, let me just set it up. Dr. Babcock is going to start the hymn, and then I'm going to take it from him, and he's going to slide off the bench. And we're going to make it seamless so you can hardly tell when the player has changed. Then he's going to take it from me. I'm going to take it from him. We're going to do a little round robin. And I want this to be a metaphor for the way we do our ministry. If we do our ministry correctly, when we slide off the bench, so to speak, when we leave this planet, we go home to be with the Lord, the music of our lives and our ministry should continue. And it should be seamless. We pass off the scene and the teaching continues. Someone else picks it up and we go on. So let this continuous music with changing players remind you of the fact that the gospel continues on in spite of the fact that the players, the proclaimers, slide off the bench, so to speak, and go on to their reward. Uh, may you be involved in that which will last. Amen. All right, what is your favorite hymn or what is the hymn you want to hear us go at? And can it be that I should gain? Sir, do you know this song? Do you know this song, And Can It Be That I Should Gain? <laughs> yes, I'll get this out of your face. All right. We'll take this out of your face too. Yes. Let's raise up just a bit. Okay, there we are. All right. That's going to be awkward. Let's see. I need to get that cord out of there. Oh, yes, or something. So we, that's good. That's perfect. Thank you. Yep.
Thank you so much. The one and only Dr. Wendell Babcock. I've enjoyed playing with him. I'm one of the few musicians in the country that has played several times, four hands, with Dr. Wendell Babcock. I shall take that to my grave. What a, what a wonderful memory I have. How fortunate I am to be able to do that. And I pray that I will have such a mind and heart when I'm in my 90s. Amen. Babcock has uh, had a long life of ministry and service. Mm. We thank you, great God, for the men and women you have placed in our lives, for those who have influenced us by their example, by their ministry, by their faithfulness, by their skill. We give you thanks for the different people we are because of these fathers and mothers in the faith, those who blaze a trail before us from whom we learn, by whom we are inspired, we give you thanks. And we pray for the generation coming after us and pray that we would not fail them, that if they're going to watch us, we give them a good show. Pray that all who come behind us find us faithful and can look to us for models of faithfulness and scholarship and seriousness and balance and fun. Grant that when they look at us, they might say of us, that man, that woman was an example for me. I pray for the generation after them the generation yet unborn, that our grandchildren and great-grandchildren would be set up for faithfulness, partly because of our example. Grant that it may be so, O Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Uh, in the interest of time, I'm going to do just one musical selection, and then we're going to come back to this I start to say sacred desk, come back to this table and to this round table and look at the word of our God. And then we're going to take a short break and I'm going to have a Q&A time. I pretty much uh, open myself up to any questions you have at 11.15 to noon. It's an open Q&A time with me. I will not make any opening comments. It'll be pure uh, Q&A for 45 minutes or for however long uh, you'd like it to be if you don't have that many questions and we're out of here at 11.20 and we go and just relax before lunch. So let me go to the piano. I think I want to do um, something from my concert that I did last fall. Um, let, me, let me do this. Let me do, um, I want to create a song. I'm going to do a mini concert tonight and I'll do an improvisation there as well. But I think I'd like to create a song based on a short story that someone will tell me. Somebody raise your hand and give me a very, very brief story from your journey, from your life. Something humorous or something serious, but brief. 
Okay. Well, this will be a very short song. All right. Yes, sir. This happened here? No. no, at a camp. You went to a summer camp, and you were a child. You were a kid. Ninth grade. You were in ninth grade, and you were blasted in the face with a water balloon, and you were temporary blind, temporarily blinded. Two days. Two days. But, and, and that summer is when you found the Lord. So you were blinded in order to meet Jesus. Wow. Well, I'd like to say a word about violence at our summer camps. But. <laughs> All right, someone give me five random musical notes, not the first five notes of a familiar song, five original notes, and I'm going to use those notes as the theme for this song. Who give me five random musical pitches? You can either sing them on a nonsense syllable like this, la, 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 or you can give me five letter names, say D, F sharp, E, whatever you like. Who give me that quickly? Five notes from one person. Yes, well, this is true. This is true. This is, he said, you know we're not musical. I, I think that has been established. Yes, ma'am. No, no, not something for me. That's from Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. Okay. Um, I, I'll, just, I'll just make up a, a melody for, for the song. <laughs> I think you folks are continuing to prove that... To camp one summer, quite innocent was I. And before I was there very long, I got hit in the eye. A water balloon was coming to me fast and furiously, and I was hit in the eye and could no longer see. And for a long two days, I was not able to see, because someone did lob a water balloon right to me but in those two days I began to see my need of Jesus Savior friend and he was known to me I began to see the Savior of the world I began to see the one I needed And so I was blind But the Savior I did find Because someone hit me in the face With a water balloon At
if I should receive an invitation to that violent camp, I will, I will not go. At the end of our time, that is the break between 11 and 11.15, I'll be at my product table. I think I've talked to you about those products uh, enough times. Well, not enough times. I'll talk about them again tonight, but I won't talk about them now in the interest of time. If you're able, would you please stand for the reading of the Word of God, Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 24. I'm going to read 7.24 through 7.27 from the New King James Version. And after I read, uh, I will hold my Bible high and I will say, This is the word of the Lord, and your response shall be, Thanks be to God. Hear the word of the Lord, Matthew 7.24 from the New King James Version. Jesus is speaking. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock, and the rains descended, and floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Now, O Lord, speak, we pray, through your word. You always do when we gather in your name. Our concern is not that you will not speak. Our concern is that we might not hear you and do what your word says So please open our hearts, make us obedient people. I pray that you'd make us willing to be made obedient people, all for your glory and not our own. Now, Holy Spirit of God, may you have our undivided attention. We are an easily distracted people. I pray that you draw in our wandering minds that we might hear what the Spirit says to the church. Amen. In the previous message, I talked about the danger of a person picking up the language of Christian faith, but not entering into a relationship with Jesus. And you know that that's possible. You learn the cliches. You learn to say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Well, if it's the will of God, you learn all the cliches and the right things to say and the Oh, I'm too blessed to be stressed. And oh, yes, I'm blessed and highly favored. And you get, you get the patter down. But you might not know Jesus. Jesus is aware that this is a possibility. And he addresses it. And his desire for us in the 21st century is the same as his desire for his followers in the 1st century that they wouldn't simply say yes to Jesus and then go on to live a superficial, cliche-filled life, but rather they go out to learn him and know him and do his work in the world and act like he acted and live like he lived. But some are content 
to simply join the church and hang out with the followers of Jesus, but they themselves don't want Jesus himself. They listen to Bible studies. They listen to sermons. They attend Bible studies. They go to Christ-centered events. They go to Christian camps and conference centers. They're just not interested in really following Jesus. I can hear their objections now. Well, what does Jesus want? I'm listening to his words. Isn't that enough? I've cleaned up my language. I don't use profanity anymore. Isn't that sufficient? And you and I would agree those are good changes. But these fringe folks may have changed what they're saying and may have changed what they're hearing, but the text suggests that Jesus wants even more. Did you see it? Apparently, saying, Lord, Lord, and hearing Jesus' teaching is inadequate for the serious follower of Jesus. So the question was, then what does he want, for goodness sakes? I'm, I'm giving myself to this church thing. What, what more does he want? I'm glad you asked. It's here in this text. There's a small word in verse 24 of Matthew 7 that is the key to understanding what Jesus wants from us. Listen to the first clause of verse 24 of Matthew 7. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, stop. For Jesus, hearing the words and spouting them, apparently are not sufficient pilings on which to erect a strong foundation. No, action in response to Jesus is what, orders, what constitutes an ordered life. Did you hear what I said? Let me, let me say it again. Hearing and spouting the words are not sufficient pilings on which to erect a foundation. No, action, action in response to Jesus, is what constitutes an ordered life. This passage constitutes, or contrasts rather, the life of obedience and the life of disobedience. And it has everything to do with the difference between hearing the sayings of Jesus and doing the teachings of Jesus. Did you see it in the text? The difference between the lives of these two builders spoken of here was the difference of foundation. The external environments are the same, aren't they? The wind blew. The rain descended on both houses. Did you see it in the text? Floods came to both houses. The winds blew and beat on both houses. The only difference is that the one house had a better foundation than the other. In this text, I hear Jesus calling all of us to stop playing and stop aiming for the bare minimum of faith. When I was in middle school and even as far as high school, 
and I'm embarrassed to tell this story, but it is true. I got to just simply confess. I was not good in math. I was an arts person. I was artsy. I loved the humanities, English class. I excelled. Music class, I excelled. I was not an athlete, and I was not a mathematician. I did not enjoy math at all. Math did not make sense to me. In algebra, we were told, prove this. I thought, well, you prove it. Why, why, why? I don't want to prove it. Is it so or not? I don't want to prove anything in geometry. It was just very confusing to me. Always was. I remember going into math classes at the beginning of the year. I'm embarrassed to admit this, but this is true. And I would ask on the first day of class, what is the passing grade? And if the teacher said 70, I'm embarrassed to admit this, I aimed for 70. It's the wrong question. The question would be, how may I be the most outstanding student in this class? What do I have to do? Math teacher might have told me about tutoring, might have told me about after school, remedial math classes. I, I don't know, but I, I never asked that question. Because I was not interested in being the best in the class. I was interested in meeting the bare minimum. Tell me what I have to do in order to pass out of this class. I want it to be over with. And there's some people who approach their faith the same way. Tell me the bare minimum. What do I have to do? Well, after what? Oh, receive Jesus as my Savior? Okay, I've done that. What, I, have to, I have to go to church at least once a week? Okay, I'll do that. All right. I have to what? Sign a statement of faith? I believe what? Uh, okay. All right. Read, read. Uh, how, how much do I have to read? A, a few verses a day. Oh, our daily bread. Oh, okay. Just a couple of verses and a cute story. Okay, fine. Thank you. <laughs> and they never go beyond that. They don't ask, how, how may I grow? I, okay, I'd like something more. That was good. That was baby food, appropriate for me. I'm a beginner. But how can I go deeper? They, they never ask that question. They never ask, how may I become an achiever spiritually? They never ask, how may I get to know the deeper things about God? How may I delve into theology? How, how can I study the Bible even more? How do I get behind the, the English? How do I get, I hear you talk about this word means this in Greek. How do I find that information? How do I get at that? They, they never ask those questions. How, how may I get involved in a serious ministry where I serve other people and where I get to make Christ known. I understand we're supposed to do that. How do I do that? They never ask that question. They only want to know what's the passing grade and what is the bare minimum I have to do. And Jesus says, you, you, you're thinking all wrong here. You're building a life on sand. You only want to get the house up. You don't want to make it last. Here he talks about foundation. I hear Jesus daring us to go down deep and build solid foundations so that we can stand when life storms come at us. The problem with a shallow faith is that it, it won't help you when the storms of life are raging. I remember a woman who was in her 80s. I was her pastor in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and she was sick, and I went to visit her. And she'd been on the earth and been walking with the Lord longer than I'd been on the earth. I was 35, 36 years old, and she was in her 80s. 
and had been in the church, I think, all her life. She was very sick, and I went to see her and was ministering to her, and I wanted to know just how she was getting along and what was sustaining her. I said to her, are there Bible passages that have really been helpful to you as you've been going through this? She said, well, I can't think of any verse in the Bible, but, you know, I, all I know is that if we do our best, God will do the rest. She rattled off this little cliche. I said, yeah, that's, that's a cute little phrase. I said, but is there anything in the Word of God that has really helped you? And she said, well, you know, I've heard it said, if you make one step, he'll make two. And all she had, it made me so sad, all she had, she just kept giving these little pithy, you know, T-shirt models, coffee cup, mug sayings. There was, there was no meat there. I was so saddened by that. When the winds come blowing and the rain descends on your house, you ought to have some heft there, something that will allow you to stand. But if all you've got is, Lord, Lord, and all you've got is the cliches and the sayings, you might be in trouble. You can't start spouting bumper stickers when the storms of life come upon you. It was in my college chapel that I was introduced to William C. Martin's 1902 hymn, My Anchor Holes. It's a nautical metaphor that drives home the same point of our text. We have to have something that doesn't bend or break when the strong winds come. But Jesus says it's not, it's not the person that simply says the words that will be able to stand. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them. Everyone who, who takes this word of mine and internalizes it and allows it to drive your own life. That person shall stand. Tell me, do you have some word down in you? If you don't, you, you work on that starting today because you won't be able to survive with the cliches and the slogans. Lord, Lord. No, who, whoever takes these words of mine and it becomes part of that person, that person in doing so will build a firm foundation. Their roots will go down deeply and they'll be able to stand. Just before I came here, I was in Cassville, Wisconsin. Population about a thousand. It was a thousand and one last week because I was there. <laughs> it's a Mayberry type town. People still leave their keys in their car. I asked my friend, why do you leave your keys in the car? He said, That's where, that way I always know where they are. They leave their doors unlocked all day. It's a town where everybody seems to know everybody. There's one bank. There's one grocery store called Okies. There is not a traffic light in town. I've been going there every year for 25 years. 
and it's just a step back in time. I go there, my wife says, what are you going to do there? I said, nothing. That's the whole point. I go, I sleep late, I go to a dairy farm uh, operated by a friend of mine, I eat some wonderful fresh Wisconsin cheese, I had a block of sharp cheddar, and I just ate that like candy. I just, it, it was just wonderful. 25 years ago, I was asked by a couple who were part of a newly founded church, would you come to Cassville and preach? I said, I'd be happy to come. I went, fell in love, and I go there every year. I preach one night, and then the rest of the days, I, I relax. The town is right along the Mississippi River. My friends have a resort there called Eagle's Roost, and I stay at the Eagle's Roost, and the waters of the Mississippi lap up to their backyard and to their boat dock. Another friend of mine is building a house on Jack Oak Road right there in Cassville, Wisconsin, but he's building a concrete house because the Mississippi River has a habit every few years of overflowing its banks, and there are sometimes very, very difficult floods Difficult for the people who live right along the Mississippi. Houses have washed away because of the Mississippi overflowing its banks. But my friend is building a concrete house just uh, up the bank from the Mississippi River and then a large retaining wall to keep the waters back. Tell me, what's your retaining wall? And what are you doing to keep the floods and the horrendous rains, the torrential rains from knocking down the house of your own spiritual life. Is there any strength there? Do you have anything strong in your life happening, growing, building? Listen to the text of William C. Martin's My Anchor Holds. It's probably in this hymnal. Though the angry surges roll, on my tempest-driven soul, I am peaceful for I know, windy though the winds may, wildly though the winds may blow, I've an anchor safe and sure that can evermore endure. And the refrain is, and it holds my anchor holes. Blow your wildest then, O gale, on my bark, bark is a small boat, my bark so small and frail, by his grace I shall not fail, for my anchor holds, my anchor holds. These two houses in this text are contrasted, for one has an anchor, deep pilings. One is anchored, the other is built on sand. Martin continues, mighty tides about me sweep, perils lurk within the deep. Angry clouds o'ershade the sky, and the tempest rises high. Still I stand the tempest shock, for my anchor grips the rock. And it holds, my anchor holds. Blow your wildest then, O gale, on my bark so small and frail. By his grace I shall prevail, for my anchor holds. My anchor holds. May it be said of us, that that person's got a strong faith. 
That person's got an anchored spiritual life. That person goes deeply into God's word and God's character. That person is firmly gripping the rock and is firmly established. I asked the wrong question in math class. What's the bare minimum? I pray that for us all, we would ask a different question of our faith. How may I grow? Let us pray. Eternal God, we confess that we have not always been eager to be deep. We have enjoyed, been attracted to, embraced shallowness. We are ashamed. We pray this day that you would drive our roots down deeply. That we would love you fiercely, that we would study you earnestly, that we would follow you with all our hearts and do your word as we hear it. Help us not to simply read it, memorize it. Help us to do it. Help us to live out your life through our lives. Give to us, we pray, a passion for service, for ministry, for making you known, for proclamation, for mission engagement. This honors you. Simply hearing about you does not. I pray that you would set our hands to the task of service that you would put running in our feet, that we might run to that which sustains us. Grant to us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, for knowledge, for obedience. And we shall give thee glad praise in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. We pray, amen, amen.